What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Smothers is over near there. Wait a minute, Ron Wright's walking. Look at Ron Wright. Dusty got off. He's walking. The guy got out of the wheelchair. He walked over. Wait Wright, a minute. Wright went over and slugged Tracy Smothers. Bob, I lost my contact lens. You oh, see it? He walked. One, two, two three. I can't believe it. What? Dutch. What happened? What happened? My gosh almighty, Dutch. Fans, here is your winner of the match and still Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion, the Dirty White Boy. Run right. Run right. I can't believe it. He can do that. He got up out of the wheelchair, walked over to the ring and slugged. I didn't Tracy. see it. I, I lost my contact lens on that one. My gosh. That, he went back and sat back down in the wheelchair. Can the guy walk now? What the heck is this with Ron Wright? We'll be right back with Tracy's mother. Right now, fans, let's take this time out. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the IRW Network. Head on over to IRWNetwork.com and check out the brand new Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas and the two-man power trip of wrestling, talking current events, professional wrestling history, and all the things going on in the world of the franchise Shane Douglas. And it is every single week, brand new episodes streaming over at IRWNetwork.com. Check us out as well as check out some amazing independent wrestling content. And of course, Bischoff on Wrestling and the Bischoff on Wrestling Overrun 
all over at irwnetwork.com. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I am joined here on the two-man power trip by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today we welcome in a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, including in our last episode with Dr. Tom Pritchard as the dirty white boy, Tony Anthony joins us today and Tony Anthony will be joining Dr. Tom as well as Eric Watts, Eric Embry and Jim Powers and Paul Roma, the young stallions at the legends of the ring convention in Monroe, New Jersey on Saturday, October 21st. You can head to Facebook and search the captain's corner as well as visit his free web store.org slash captains dash corner for pre-order ticket information as well as the schedule of all the stops that Nick and the crew will have going on that weekend in New Jersey and out in Pennsylvania and it's all over at the Captain's Corner's Facebook page and his free web store dot org slash captains dash corner it's a mouthful to say, so I got to take my time in doing so. But you can see this entire amazing collection of superstars that weekend. But we got to focus in here on the Dirty White Boy. Tony Anthony, a guy we've talked about with many, many guests, especially Jim Cornette, Tracy Smothers, Dr. Tom on multiple occasions. And he's always been a guy that we've just we've always wanted to get on. But he is a very, very rare interview and this one, we get to cover a lot of topics, and it ends up being a very, very fun and kind of lighthearted chat because Tony Anthony is a very funny guy, and this is a very cool look into his career, starting at the beginning with Len Denton in the Grapplers and continuing on to his singles career and all the stops that he had along the way, including when he did get to the WWF as T.L. Hopper, and we kind of find out the genesis of the T.L. Hopper character, why it came along, why it was a plumber, the whole story behind that gimmick, and some of the more comical points, maybe not being assigned by Vince McMahon, and maybe uh, Tony Anthony having a little more hands-on than you'd think, but when you listen to that portion of the WWF talk, it's his comments about Vince Russo that I think are going to be some that shine bright in this interview because he is not a Vince Russo fan and kind of funny that he would be in the Cornette camp, but Cornette is just a minor part in that storyline. This man just does not like Vince Russo's writing style and professional wrestling. And I'll let Tony Anthony give you the details on it, but it's quite the story as we get towards the second half of the interview. But nonetheless, talking about all his great feuds throughout his tenure in Smoky Mountain as the Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion, the blood feud with Dr. Tom and the hanging and the dirty white girl and all the crazy stuff that they did so ahead of their time. And if you did hear the last episode with Dr. Tom, he stated it's an angle that people talked, talked to him more about that than pretty much anything else in his entire career is that dirty white boy hanging incident and the dirty white girl. I have to talk to Tom promo where the dirty white boy hangs Dr. Tom over the, the second rope and man, it is brutal still to this day to watch it. Uh, and if you have never seen it, please go back. And if you hear Tony Anthony talk about it and it inspires you to go check it out, you will definitely get your money's worth because you could put that angle literally in the main event of WrestleMania now and it would be an absolute draw because it was such a blood feud, just an intense rivalry between those two, and we dive really deep into it. But, John, as I welcome you in here now, like I said, this was a really cool thing to get Tony Anthony on. He's a guy we've been looking to get on this show for quite a long time, 
and he fits on that shelf with all those other Smoky Mountain alums. And I feel like we could really do a Smoky Mountain anthology with all the different folks that we've had on who stopped through that territory. And I love that we're able to keep it alive. And I'll give another shout out to our good friends over at the Book in the Territory podcast. They do a Smoky Mountain review show where if you've never seen Smoky Mountain and you don't have the time to sit down and watch it, take a listen to their show and take a listen to the recaps that they have because they break it down segment by segment and they give you their take on a lot of stuff and it's a very fun listen. But if you don't know that much about Smoky Mountain, if you've never seen it, this is your opportunity to do so. You have that, you have it all at your fingertips now, folks. So there's no excuse. But John, as I welcome you in here, why don't you talk a little bit more about Tony Anthony as well as what we have to look forward to in today's episode with the Dirty White Boy. Yes, Chad, back at it again here at the two-man power trip of wrestling. And this is somewhat of a Captain's Corner week on the show as we're joined by another one of Captain Corner's Nick, his guest at the Legends of the Ring convention on 1021 in Monroe, New Jersey. And of course, we are talking about the dirty white boy himself, Tony Anthony. And of course, for any info that you need on the Legends of the Ring or the Monroe, New Jersey show, please go to Captain's Corner's Facebook page or hit him up on the free web store. He's got all info on there and he's got some very rare guests and it's a really great lineup headed to New Jersey. And of course, well, like we talked to Dr. Tom earlier in the week, he was also part of Nick's crew that's going to be headed to Monroe on the 21st of October. But when you think about that crew, you think about Tony Anthony, you think about Tom Pritchard, and you think about that epic blood feud that they had. One of those rare feuds that everything they did was hot. Everything was believable. Everything was just, you know, boiled in some controversy. They, those two just didn't like each other. They just absolutely hated each other. Didn't mix well. It's one of those epic blood feuds. One of those feuds that just... You know, it's just, you can't believe what's going on when you see it. They're hanging each other. They're killing each other. Doing all this crazy stuff. That's one of those epic feuds that happened, you know, in Continental and down there in the Southeast. Just awesome stuff. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, you need to become familiar with it. Go out of your way to catch some of that stuff. One of those true feuds. Can't kind of put it over enough. And I know, Chad, you put it over as well. But one of those feuds, it's like... Like, that was fake, that was fake, that was fake. That feud is real. Those two guys hate each other. It's awesome. So we not only talk about that, we go through his entire run, his entire career. We also talk, of course, about his WWF run, what he thinks about Vince McMahon, what he thought about Vince Russo, what he thought about the T.L. Hopper character who came up with it. Crazy character, crazy gimmick, crazy attire. The SummerSlam moment where he does the... Basically, the cleaning of the poop out of the pool, which is an homage, if you will, to Caddyshack. His part of kind of putting that story out there and, and making that story quite a good one, quite a funny one. But really kind of pushing it to Vince, saying, I want to do this and would it be funny? And Vince loved it. And obviously, uh, the fans thought uh, a hell of a deal out of that one. But when you think about his WWF run, it's not only T.L. Hopper, it's Uncle Cletus as well. So we do talk about that, too. And of course, of course, cannot forget to mention, we do talk about his Smoky, run, Smoky Mountain Wrestling run in detail. And of course, we do talk about one of our favorites, James E. Cornette, Jim, if you will. We talk about that a lot. So, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy, because we're going to go through one hell of a career from one hell of an underrated guy. One of those guys, when we first started this show, we said, 
you know, we want rare guests, the guys that would really, really, you know, we not only do we like them, but they're kind of maybe underappreciated or they shouldn't be underappreciated. We really want to bring these guys to life and say, what a career, what a talent, what a wrestler, what a worker. And Tony Anthony is just one of those guys. So, like I said, sit back, relax, and enjoy a little bit of the dirty white boy himself, Tony Anthony. Absolutely. And again, we want to thank the dirty white boy and we want to thank Nick from Captain's Corner for getting Tony Anthony hooked up with us to get onto the airwaves today so you could listen to some amazing stories coming your way in a mere matter of moments. So as we wrap it up here, John, we want to remind everybody that you can see Nick from Captain's Corner and his crew the weekend of October 21st in New Jersey at Legends of the Ring, alongside the Dirty White Boy, will be his nemesis, Tom Pritchard, as well as Eric Embry, Eric Watts, and the Young Stallions, Jim Powers, and the highly controversial and former guest of our show, Paul Roma, at Legends of the Ring. It's going to be awesome, and if you have never met any of these guys, please do it, because as we hear with Tony Anthony coming up, he's a pretty rare autograph, folks, so if you don't get out to New Jersey to meet the Dirty White Boy... I don't know how many other opportunities you're going to have on the East Coast to do so. So get your butts to Legends of the Ring, and you can go to Facebook.com and search the Captain's Corner or head to his free web store.org slash Captain's-Corner. See, again, it's going to tie me up every time I say it because it's a mouthful, but it's worth it to get all the ticket, all the pre-order, and all the information on the appearances that Nick and the crew are going to be making that weekend in New Jersey and then heading out to Bud Carson's Pro Wrestling World in Pennsylvania. It's going to be one hell of a weekend with an awesome crew, and we definitely look forward to seeing everybody at Legends of the Ring. And as I said at the top of the show, we're brought to you by the IRW Network. And if you head on over to the IRW Network this week, you can stream episode number 15 of the Triple Threat Podcast, where Shane Douglas gives his response to the outcry on social media to his critique of Sasha Banks and what she had to say about, quote, stalker fans. So it's a can't-miss uh, comeback from Shane Douglas, as well as a nice little tribute to Bobby the Brain Heenan and Shane giving some first-hand advice that Bobby the Brain Heenan gave him in his first-ever enhancement talent match in 1986 as Shane Douglas, as Troy Martin, locked up with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with Bobby the Brain Heenan on the outside. So listen to episode number 15 to hear that story and get over there today. And every single week, you'll hear brand new episodes of the Triple Threat Podcast uploaded to irwnetwork.com. And with all that being said, John, take it the rest of the way, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and get it on over to the dirty white boy, Tony Anthony. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at two-man power trip and at wrestling pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. 
Check out our page, check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 11:25 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. Without any further ado, he is a former three-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling World Champion, a former two-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Television Champion. He is a former Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion. He is the dirty white boy himself. You may know him as T.L. Hopper, but he is Tony Anthony. Please enjoy. Monroe, New Jersey on October 21st, the Legends of the Ring 
as the Dirty White Boy joins the pretty uh, eclectic crew of the Captain's Corner. He'll be joining a longtime rival of his in Tom Pritchard, as well as the Young Stallions, Jim Powers and Paul Roma, and Eric Watts, and also Eric Embry. And you can get all the information at Captain's Corner's Facebook page, as well as their free web store, .org slash Captain's Corner page for this amazing convention coming up in New Jersey. And I guess the first question would be for you, Tony, is are you looking forward to getting up into Jersey and doing a little Smoky Mountain Wrestling reminiscing that day? I certainly am. It's been a long time since I've seen some of these guys, and uh, I look forward to seeing them and uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing all the people, uh, all the wrestling fans. Uh, It's been a while since I've been up in that area, and uh, I can't wait to get up there. Now, I always said, I said this to Tom Pritchard uh, a couple weeks back, I said, it's kind of funny to be in the Northeast, and to now have so many people that do remember Smoky Mountain so fondly, because, you know, WWE Network now actually has the footage that they put up, but again, New Jersey, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, did you think back then, traveling those roads, that Smoky Mountain Wrestling would live on, but this time in the Northeast, in a place like New Jersey? No, I, I really didn't. I mean, to, to be honest with you, I, I, I never thought that Smoky Mountain would ever go that far north. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing, and I, I'm tickled to death that it has. And, uh, you know, and I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Now, I would kind of classify you in the uh, the rare convention guest because we see a lot of the same folks at the conventions, but I think for the uh, the completest, for the collector out there that does collect every single guy, I mean, they have that WWE encyclopedia, and we know you are in that, and we will get to your time in the WWE uh, in a little bit, but what do you think about these wrestling conventions now and how they evolve? Because they're literally, it's like wrestling all under, it's like a, a big top circus of wrestling fans mixed with everybody you could possibly think of. So what do you think of the uh, the wrestling convention and the uh, the dedicated fans that come for those autographs and those pictures? Well, I've been in, uh, been to a few of them, and uh, what I've seen, uh, they're amazing. I mean, you get to uh, see all kinds of uh, wrestling fans, uh, you know, old ones, middle-aged ones, new ones. People said, my dad talked about you, and he was telling me all this. And, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, get out of the hustle and bustle of the everyday life that I'm going through now and just uh, go back and meet these fans and meet these people and, and just have a, a just an absolutely wonderful time. It's, uh, it's so cool. And I'm telling you, John and I have been to probably the last five or six in a row uh, and just the fact when we're in the room and, you know, whether we're with the guests or we're just kind of floating around, it's just it's amazing to see how the guys reach out and, and touch, you know, the uh, the fans. And you could, like, it, I always talk about the memorabilia and the stuff either people save or the stuff people, you know, they find to bring. And we had a guy who brought the WWE uh, restaurant menu, you know, to the, one of the signings. And we're like, wow, where'd you get this? He's like, oh, I found it on eBay. So have you had anything that you saw come your way at a signing that you kind of had to scratch your head and be like, where did somebody find this? Uh, yeah, uh, a, a few old pictures that uh, uh, way back when, <laughs> you know, and it's like, hey, I had hair then. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it, it's just simply, you know, amazing that these people w- would have something like that and hang on to it 
uh, for all this time. I mean, it, you know, it's it just makes me feel great. And I guess for those, you know, if you don't remember Tony Anthony is the Dirty White Boy, obviously, you know, you remember the T.L. Hopper character. Like I said, we'll get to that in a minute, but with this show, we're so Smoky Mountain-centric, and we've literally talked to so many different guys from the, uh, from the era, from the promotion. But just talking to Tom Pritchard uh, in the last couple weeks again, it just it reignited a lot of stuff. Obviously, you guys had a pretty tense rivalry, so I just got to ask, are you and Dr. Tom pretty cool while you, uh, you're not going to be sitting that far apart at this Legends of the Ring? Uh, yeah, I guess I can put up with his mouth. <laughs> yeah, we won't, uh, we won't tear your thing up. I mean, you know, uh, those days are long gone, at least as they are for me. <laughs> I'm a peaceful person now. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see a guy like Dr. Tom and you think about those matches, is there anything that really comes to mind about the intensity between the two of you? Like, what was it like with the chemistry you guys had and being such heated rivals? Uh, for a good amount of time, and really being one of the hotter, I'd say, you know, hotter feuds that Smoky Mountain had. Uh, it was just something that uh, comes along, you know, every once in a while when two guys gel together, they uh, they just go out and they go at it at 110%, and they give it their all, and it's just, it was actually a pleasure, a painful pleasure, but uh, to work with uh, with uh, Pritchard, uh, I can't put him over enough. He, he's a great competitor, a great professional wrestler, uh, and just all-around cool dude. So then another great one for the fans that are just kind of stumbling onto what you've done in your career. Kind of talk about what the Dirty White Boy character is and kind of how it came about and really, uh, you know, what the genesis or the basis was behind uh, what the Dirty White Boy was in Tony Anthony. Uh, well, Dirty White Boy was uh, basically a character of, uh, you know, uh, all-American biker, uh, kick-ass, just, you know, didn't take nothing off of anybody or anything and, did things his own way, and that started uh, way back with uh, actually me and Lynn Denton many, many years ago. We we started uh, the White Boys. Uh, Lynn Denton, yeah, he's uh, another guy, another uh, well-traveled veteran, obviously learning a lot from him. What was one of the things that Lynn Denton told you or taught you, you guys being a team, you know, about uh, – what you have to expect with, uh, you know, getting on the road and kind of traveling the uh, the different territories at that point. Well, when I first got hooked up with uh, Lynn Denton, I was a young, green kid. Uh, Lenny had been in the uh, business for several years and uh, actually already had a name for himself. And uh, he just took me under his wings. We, we hit it off uh, great. I mean, you know, Lenny's one of the greatest people I uh I've ever been uh, had the pleasure of knowing, love him to death. He's a good brother, and um, he he just taught me so much about uh, well, not only about wrestling but life. You know, uh, you're with a guy seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. You're traveling, and uh, you know there's a lot of things a young kid needs to know, and uh, he he did teach me so much. I mean, the uh, the guys that trained me, 
or Rick Connor. He's the man that trained me. Uh, he could only teach me so much. He taught me how to protect himself, how to wrestle, and all that. But there's so much more that you've got to learn uh, to be successful and to go on and uh, live that lifestyle and be able to uh, survive it. So, you know, Len- Lenny's one of the greatest. And, I mean, you got a pretty big crash course pretty fast on going through one of the more you know, infamous territories and in dealing with two guys in, in Lawler and also in Jerry Jarrett, you know, that had a great stranglehold on a Memphis territory that, you know, if you worked for them that early in your career, obviously you'd be set up for a lot of the bosses that you'd have down the roads. But kind of like what were your first impressions of wor- working in Memphis and working with Lawler and working with Jerry Jarrett? Uh, they were good. I mean, uh, I always had a, a – uh, a good business and working relationship with uh, uh, Jerry Jarrett and uh, Lawler. Uh, they were two guys that uh, owned the territory. One come tell you one thing, another and come tell you another, and then you just kind of figured out the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. A good territory. Uh, enjoyed it. Learned a lot. Uh, you know, and then uh, then we traveled out to uh, Bill Watts' territory and uh, had a good time there. Long territory, a hard territory to uh, to work. And Jerry, Jerry uh, Bill Watts being a uh, uh, somebody else to work for, I'm telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> but did you get? Did you feel uh, kind of more uh, more comfortable because obviously Watts is a, a real different personality than uh, than Jared and Lawler, but you know the two of them be if you went from Jared and Lawler to then Bill Watts, obviously it's kind of night and day, but did it kind of set you up a little bit for maybe uh some more of that structure that Watts would then instill with you that at least you were in a territory with uh you know two pretty established uh, guys at the helm yeah uh but uh the Memphis territory was more laid back, it wasn't as stressful and uh you you could actually deal a lot better with Jarrett and uh, Lawler than you could Watts. Watts was uh, hardcore, uh, you know, it's my way or the highway, you know, uh, y'all are a piece of garbage, I'm great, do as I say, blah, blah, blah. You had to go into that, and that it opened your eyes about different people and all, you know, and that. But uh, Lenny, uh, he told me what we were going into. And uh, so I had my jaw set for it, but then when I got there, it was like, oh, my goodness, what what in the world have you got me into? But <laughs> we survived. Yeah, I mean, you and you and Len Denton, too, you know, as a, as a grappler there yourself, you know, he was a guy that I feel like everything that we've ever heard about Len Denton, including even interviewing him, I feel like he was a veteran from the time he stepped in through the ring for the first time because all the stories you hear – about him, but tell, maybe tell us a little bit more about him as a as a mentor for you. You know, being a, a more seasoned, but I mean, not by I wouldn't say by by that much more, but kind of what did he show you uh, traveling those roads and being that mentor for you as you guys dealt with different promoters and uh, and different areas. Well, he he did teach me, uh, you know, uh, how to deal with uh, promoters, and you know, he you got to feel a promoter out. They're feeling you out, but you've got to feel them out when you're sitting and talking, especially when you're talking money and, you know, business. Uh, and 
he he taught me uh, stuff like that. Then plus he he taught me uh, he educated me to the ring uh, as far as uh, how the people react, what do you need to do at this point, and uh, he, he's just uh, like I said he. I could never ever say a bad word about Lynn Denton and mean it. I can say I, I can say a lot of bad things about him, but I don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he, he was a great guy, and he, he did teach me a, a whole lot and uh, uh, taught me, you know, about the interviews and stuff like that. Because when we first started and the grapplers hooked up, uh, that was before the White Boys. Uh, I said absolutely nothing. You turn that camera on, that red dot come on, and I had a locked jaw. <laughs> and uh, Lenny said, you know, don't worry about it. I'll do the talking, but it's going to come to you. Trust me. It'll come to you, and I'll know it when it hits you. And we uh, we uh, split, I guess, maybe a month. Uh, I, left, uh, I left Louisiana. Yeah, I left Louisiana, and I went down to um, Florida, and I wrestled down there for a little bit. And then uh, Lenny called and said, hey, call Lawler. Lawler. He, he's wanting us back in there. said, so call him and uh, talk to him. So I called him, met met Lenny at the hotel. As soon as he opened the door, he looked at me and said, you got it, buddy. I said, you've got it. I can see it in your eye. And that meant so much to me right there that uh, he knew right then and there that everything that he'd been trying to teach me, I finally grasped onto that and uh, knew what he was talking about. And then uh, when we went, started the interviews and everything, I said, I'll tell you, I'll start it out. And uh, finally at last, he just kind of had to interrupt. <laughs> Are you going to take the whole thing up or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh I, I can't put him over enough. He he taught me so much, and he he helped me so much, and I just love the man to death. So if you look at the run of as the Grapplers and as as the White Boys, I mean, two pretty successful runs. Uh, we even kind of glanced over uh, being in Southwest and what you guys did in Texas too. But you know, what would you say you guys did better? Did you work better as the White Boys, or did you work better as the Grapplers? Uh. I really couldn't. I really couldn't say because uh, we were like we worked as a unit, and uh, I don't know anybody that watched our style. Uh, it didn't really vary that much uh, between the grapplers and the white boys. I mean, we we still had that uh, tag team uh, train of thought going. Except the white boys, we we were a little more violent. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say the white boys, uh, had more fun with it. Now you guys won the tag titles in Memphis. You beat the fabulous ones. You go to the central States, you win the tag titles there. What was it like kind of breaking off and going into singles away from Linden? Were you very confident in yourself at that point? Or were you still kind of, you know, feeling yourself around cause you didn't kind of have his, his back, if you will. No, uh, no. Actually, I uh, I felt good. Uh, I felt real confident. Uh, uh, we sat down and talked, and uh, he he was he was going home. His father was sick, 
and he was going to be in that territory. And at that time, Watts didn't want us as a tag team. He just he, he would uh, he would have uh, Lenny, but uh, he didn't want a tag team in there. So we talked about it, uh, and I, I felt real good, and uh, Lynn felt good about it. He, he said, "You're ready to be on your own. So there ain't nothing else I can teach you." And uh, I just went from there, and uh, always remembered everything he had taught. He, you know, he taught me not only him but other people. You know, like Black Jack Mulligan, Rick Flair, Ricky Steamboat, those type of guys. I was always the type of person if I wanted to know something, I'd ask a question, and then I'd keep my mouth shut. And I've always thought that uh, you know that was the best way to learn. Keep your mouth, ask a question, keep your mouth shut and your ears open and listen. Now that you, uh, you've got some of these guys, that, uh, they know more than I do. And they've been in the business less than a year. So, <laughs> But I mean, time changes. And that is a great way to learn. You know, obviously, you know, keep that mouth shut and keep those ears open. A lot of these, like you said, a lot of these kids today think they know it all, but but they don't. But as yeah, far as you and your career, I feel like down there in, in the, the southeast especially, you made a pretty damn big name for yourself, whether it be in, you know, Continental or USWA or Smoky Mountain. What is it, you know, about that area that just, you know, is it kind of home to you? So, so that's why, you, you know, you felt so comfortable there? Yeah, yet I, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, born and raised, and uh, I, I love the south. Uh, I, I love to hunt and fish. I'm big outdoors guy, and uh, it, it was just home, you know. And uh, not to say that I don't uh, I don't like coming north. I do, except uh, gets cold up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, and uh, uh, we was flying into uh, Canada one time, and uh, the airstrip half of it was iced, another half wasn't, and this guy was uh, going in. I said, "Okay, put it down, put it down, put it down," and he waited till we got on the ice before he actually sat down. It like scared me to death, and I cussed him until I got off the plane. And he said, "Well, if I'd landed on the clear and then hit the ice, we'd went out of control." I said, well, I got out of control because you scared me to death. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, it, it's home to me. And it was, uh, I, I felt like that uh, when I was in the South, if I needed to get home, you know, with my family or anything like that, it was a lot quicker and easier for me to do. Now, a few names down there really stick out, and you know them very well. And, of course, you know, as far as Continental, you got the Armstrongs and you got the Fullers. What was it like working with Bullet Bob? Because you had some experience working with him one-on-one. And, obviously, you know, working for the Fullers uh, means, you know, you work for Continental. But, you know, what was it like working with old Bullet Bob? Bullet Bob was one of the – he's one of the greatest men you would ever want to meet. I mean, anything that you've ever heard about the Bullet – is true. He he's a class act. He's a gentleman. Uh, he uh, he can take you to school. He can uh, time to get serious. I'm talking about real serious. He can do that. I mean, uh, but he is a wonderful person. Uh, that whole family is absolutely uh, wonderful people. Uh, Bull he. Uh, 
he made sure his boys was raised right. And uh, they, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Uh, they knew their manners, and they did it accordingly, the way, you know, people should. And uh, the bullet was just, uh, he was just so easy to work with. I mean, it was just a pleasure. Anytime I say, well, you're working bull tonight. I said, hey, buddy, great, super. And those are going to have a good match. And he loves to chop. And he, he said, white wow, boy, you got that big old chest that I love just chopping you. <laughs> I said, well, okay, what am I going to do? Tell him no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the Armstrong uh, whole family uh, are just, they're wonderful people. They're least wise to me and everybody else that I've ever seen them around, they are. And uh, and uh, as far as the Fullers are concerned, I got along with uh, Robert Great, uh, uh, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden were tag teams, and uh, I wrestled both of them, got along with them great. Uh, Ron, uh, he's business. He, he is strictly business. I've wrestled him several times, and... Uh, he was old school. You lay everything in, and uh, uh, he took as good good as he gave. And so, you know, I have respect for for the Fullers and and Jimmy Golden. Yeah, they awesome. made that territory down there uh, a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was a more laid back territory than any of the rest of them. You had the beach and everything, and it was just you went down there and had fun. Such an underrated territory. So many good guys in there. Obviously, Jimmy Golden, a part of the family, your cousin's there. So such a great family. And as kind of like you're moving along, you're you know you're moving from Continental USWA. You kind of building steam, building momentum, and then probably what we can call the last territory, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. When you kind of hit there, that's kind of where you're really hitting your stride as a performer especially uh, on the one-on-one, you know, in, the, in your singles run. But what was it like working for Jimmy Cornette, who has obviously got to be either a blast to work with or he's got to be something else to work with? Uh, Jimmy's something else, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, when it comes to uh, doing the booking and everything, he, he's got a great mind at it. Uh, he really does. When he's focused straight on, and I've said this, uh, you know, some shoot interviews and this and that, when his mind is set on one particular thing, you can't beat him. Uh, he's top-notch. Uh, the booking is excellent. But now if he's trying to book here, but he's thinking about another territory over here, it lacks. It starts dropping off because he's got his mind elsewhere. So as long as he, he he stayed focused, everything was great. It, it really was, and uh, uh, Smoky Mountain was a dream territory for me. I mean, uh, you know, I was home, and uh, you could live at home and just try uh, make the loop around here, and it, it was just uh, it was wonderful. And that was obviously basically like the last territory. So many people refer to it as the last territory. And you made such a good, you know, a good stamp in that territory. You kind of, you know, like I said, you were kind of really coming into your own there. You know, you win the Smoky Mountain title, you beat Brian Lee. 
What's kind of that like? Is that is that a pressure packed moment for you? Do you feel like you know that like the promotion is on your back at that point? Like, what are your thoughts kind of as you're winning the Smoky Mountain Championship? Uh, well, I mean, you know, with uh, anytime you uh, company says they're going to hang a title on you and everything, they've got plans for you. They expect you to be able to hold up your end of the uh, the deal, you know. And, uh, yeah, there was some uh, pressure, but basically uh, with uh, the guys and, uh, you know, the people that I had to work with and all that, I I was fortunate because I had a good group of people, uh, and it just kept getting better, and everybody worked hard. And, uh, you know, and the fans got good response from the fans and all that, so, you know, uh, the pressure eased up, and it was just it made it. I was one of these type of people that I love going to my job. You know, not a lot of people can say that in the world. You know, and most people, if you ask them, I hate my job. Me, I love my job, and I hope that it showed uh, during my career. Uh, I hope the wrestling fans, uh, you know, I hope they were happy. Oh, they. Uh... They definitely were, and I feel like Smoky Mountain had so many guys. Obviously, Vince was almost using them as a feeder league at that point, taking this guy here, whether it be, you know, the Heavenly Bodies are going to use them here. Eventually, you know, you take Glenn Jacobs, you turn him into a fake diesel, and then Kane. But did you kind of sense that when you were there, that, that Smoky Mountain was kind of going to be this feeder territory for the WWF and Vince McMahon? Uh, not at first, not, not when it first started and not for a while, uh, not until basically, uh, Jimmy, uh, got up there. That's where he wanted to be. Uh, he, he went to WCW and stayed there for a while and then came back and then he was wanting to be in the WWF at that time. And, uh. He finally got it, and then with that, it started. You could see it starting to be like a feeding territory. Now, was the WWF was that kind of your goal, or did you like being home and wrestling at home? Was your well, thought ever like, on the WWF? Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. I was uh, there with the WWF for a while, and uh, that basically. Uh, at that particular point in time, I uh, I was hurt, and I didn't really know how bad I was hurt. Uh, I knew that uh, it it was taking me longer to to be able to uh, get things together to go perform, and then finally at last, you know, I just uh, the doctors basically told me, you know, you've got to have surgery. It's either walk or wrestle, because <laughs> I ask him. Hmm. <laughs> so. And what was the surgery? Like, what was it for? What was it on? Was it nagging injuries, or was it something specific? Uh, well, it was uh, L3, 4, and, uh, 3, 4, and 5, my lower back, major uh, back surgery, and uh, neck surgery. They, uh, they took... Uh, bones out of my neck and put cadaver bones back in and screws and all that. All that bunch of happy-go-lucky type stuff. Uh, but, uh, 
you know, people ask me, said, oh, you got all that, all them injuries and all that from wrestling and all that. Said, uh, you know, you do you ever dread doing it and everything? And I wouldn't trade anything in the world for it. If I could go back, yeah, I might change a few things. But uh, other than that, I, I loved it. I love professional wrestling. I love the fans, and uh, love everything about it. Except your uh, your owners, they got a tendency to be a little tesky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one thing you gotta love, and especially if we could just stick on Smoky Mountain, is some of the guys that you got to work with while you're there, like Jake the Snake Roberts and Jerry the King Lawler. Was that kind of something that you really, you know, looked at and were like, well, this is pretty damn cool, you know, looking across the ring from the King or from Jake the Snake? Oh, yeah. Well, see, I, I've known Jake ever since uh, basically I broke in. Right after I broke in, uh, I went to Charlotte, and he, he was in Charlotte for the Crockett's. And uh, me and Jake got along from then, and uh and ever since then, I, I've always been, you know, me and Jake's been buddies. And uh, I worked him some there, uh, but uh, basically uh, I worked him the most uh, when we did Angle uh, and Smoky Mountain. That's the most time that I've spent in the ring with him was when we had that angle going. And uh, and Jerry Lawler, uh, Jerry's a, uh, he's an excellent worker, excellent worker. I mean, uh, you never have a bad match with him, or Jake, either, either one of them. And uh, first time I ever crawled in the ring with uh, Lawler, I, I knew his M.O., I knew all about him and everything, and it was like, hey, they're out here. You're in here going in, uh, in this match for the championship, and it was like, well, hey, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it... Uh, I've met so many uh, great guys uh, through the career, uh, my career, and uh, these guys are just just a couple of the uh, good guys that I, I had the pleasure of meeting and working against. Definitely, and a guy that is very, very close to you, or was at this point, you feuded with him, you tagged with him as the thugs. What about a guy like Tracy Smothers? Seems like another perfect fit for Smoky Mountain. Oh, Tracy, bless his heart. He's a great guy. He he really is. He's a big, strong uh, Tennessee boy. I mean, rough and rugged. And uh, me and him had some very physical matches. And uh, and then we tagged together. And uh, uh, he 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 was a great guy. But you you never knew which way he was going. I mean, <laughs> one minute, hey, hey, white boy, what are you doing, man? Hey, buddy, hey, and then turn back around, you know, ten minutes later, he's got he's got that death look at you. It's like, oh, you so and so. It's like, hey, buddy, what's wrong? <laughs> Let's calm it down here for a minute. <clears throat> no, but Trey, Tracy's a good guy. He really is. I had a, I had a lot of fun with Tracy and uh, worked hard with him. So many guys from Smoky Mountain, like I mentioned before, ended up going to the WBF. And obviously, uh, Tracy obviously uh, did it. Uh, Jim Cornette himself, the Heavenly Bodies, uh, D'Lo Brown, the Headbangers, Al Snow, 
Clint Kane Jacobs. Did you see any of these guys when you were there? Like, did you see like, wow, these guys are definitely going to make it to the big time. They're definitely great guys. Or are you just kind of thinking, you know, they're great opponents, but you really weren't thinking that far ahead as far as advancement of their career. Uh, Al Snow, I, I knew Al would make it because, uh, Actually, I got Al Snow the job that he got Smoky Mountain. I went and told Cornette. Uh, I actually wrestled Al uh, on a TV match, and we had a little time, and we went out there and uh, worked, and I come straight back, and I said, you need to hire hire this kid right now. I said, he needs to be on the roster, and uh, Jim did. And, uh, yeah, I knew Al. Al uh, I knew he would make it. And then, of course, uh Tom Pritchard, you know, uh, super worker. I knew Doc would make it. <clears throat> and these other guys. And Kane, uh, Glenn, he, he's, he was just too big not to. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, plus he's a big, agile guy. I mean, you don't, don't see big guys moving as graceful like he does or used to. So, yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew certain ones would make it. And then I knew some would. What are your thoughts on uh, Glenn Kane Jacobs running for uh, for mayor, basically, in uh, Knox County? <laughs> uh, well, I don't really know. I don't talk politics. So, <laughs> you know, I, I like Glenn. Uh have nothing against Glenn. Uh, he's a good guy. I get along with him. Uh, what he knows about politics, I do not know. I hadn't at this point in time. I hadn't heard any, you know, hadn't been any t- politics. Uh, they hadn't been talking a whole lot about the politics. Everybody's just getting ready to run and all this. So uh, I'll hear what he's got to say. You know, it's like uh, I always vote. You know, I tell everybody. You know, if you don't vote, you can't open your mouth. What goes on? So. We'll just have to wait and see. And if you don't vote with the with the big red machine, you could end up being choke slammed uh, straight to hell from all the uh, <laughs> from all the carnage you've seen. But if we can't just talk here about the WWF and, and the character of T.L. Hopper, I mean, how is that pitched to you? I mean, it's so thinking back, we saw every kind of incarnation of a uh, job uh, converted to a wrestling gimmick or personality but how do they pitch tl hopper to you uh well basically uh they flew me up one day uh flew me up i had a meeting with vince uh wasn't only me let's see it was me tracy smothers uh the rock uh he was there and uh who else there's a couple of other guys there, and uh, we went in the room, met Vince, and they showed us the uh, production room and all that, and then they started asking us stuff about us. What, what do you do? What, what do you like to do? This and that, and uh, they said, uh, what was you doing before you got into wrestling? And I said, well, I said, my father owns a plumb company. He owned a plumb company for 50, 60 years here in Knoxville. And, uh, of course, I grew up in it. And then 
told them, you know, I loved hunting fish, you know, the outdoor stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, next thing I know, they're calling, and they take all your measurements down while you're there, and they take you in one at a time. They've taken all your measurements for your outfits and stuff like that. And so they all have it on file. And uh, then uh got a phone call, and they said, well, what about, uh, you know, T.L. Hopper, the plumber? And it's like, well, you're getting your foot in the door. You know, uh, I wasn't that thrilled about it. But it pays the bills, and you get your foot in the door to where, you know, possibly something else, something better. So that's actually, that, that's how that came about. And then they flew me back home the same day. It's a pretty, uh, pretty eclectic group that you had in there with Tracy Smothers and that other guy. I don't know uh, what ended up happening to him, but, uh, you know, he might have gone on to do a couple of movies here and there, but nothing uh, major. But... Nah, the bum, hey, the bum would never make it. <laughs> you know, but with that meeting, you know, do you almost wish uh, that you might have said that you were like a sniper or something? Like, did you not like the gimmick, or did you just say, like, it's, you know, this is what I'm going to make the best out of it, no matter what yeah, it is they that, give that, me to show them what I could do? That was basically it. You know, uh, at, that, at that time, at that point in time at WWF, uh, Vince was going through this phase. And what he was thinking, I don't think anybody knows. But if you know Vince, he's not the type of person that you can just uh well, we've got this for you. Well, Vince, what about this? Let's do this. You know, he, he was dealing with so many people, he didn't have time to put up with it. So I, I figured, you know, go ahead, go along with it, get your foot in the door, and see what happens, and see where it goes from there. But it, you know, this time, like I said, I, I was uh, I was in pain while I was doing it when I when I was up there. And mixed with that schedule too. I mean, it was a rigorous touring schedule. You guys were working a ton of different uh, house show loops, and you were wrestling a ton of TV. So obviously, if you got a nagging injury, that's going to make it a little bit worse. But, I mean, the way people kind of looked at the character, and every time that they do some kind of retrospective and they talk about crazy gimmicks, does it get you, does it get you mad that they lump Teal Hopper in with the, with the bad gimmicks, being that it was theirs, they created it? But does it kind of get to you that people, I don't know, just kind of look back at it as that era, you know, being everybody had a trade, you know, so might as well have a plumber and a garbage man and, you know, and this and that. But what do you think, looking back, of what people's perception uh, is of the character? Uh, well, uh, well, I really don't, I really don't know. They, uh, you know, people didn't like me, uh, but everywhere I went, they knew me. They knew, you know, up north, anywhere I went up, or, oh, you're Teal, you're that plumber guy. And, uh, you know, that, but I, I knew that it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't for me. It, it wasn't what it, I was just going through the motions, basically uh, making a paycheck, and you know, uh, at the end of the day, Vince has got the final say. So he he can change stuff if he wants to. If he don't, he won't. And we all knew that Tony Anthony could literally beat everybody's ass. So we were kind of seeing you up there and being like, all right. 
something's got to change here. I don't know if you're going to come and stick that plunger where the sun doesn't shine, but uh, <laughs> definitely thought you could do something with it. But kind of just t- taking a step back here and, and talk about The Rock really quickly. Did you see the ascension to what he would become? Obviously, we know his family background, and he yeah, was, knew, uh, you know, he was forced Rocky. to grit it down there. I knew Rocky. I, I know his dad, and uh, he's a big boy, and he trained good, and he had the look. And uh, I knew that they were going to find something for him uh, after about the first month because they kept they started changing gimmicks on him. You know, they they were changing his gimmicks uh, quickly, and uh, I said, "Well, I said when you've got." Uh, when you've got the man behind you, you have nowhere else to go but up. I mean, you know. So and and he was he, he's a very intelligent man, and uh, you put that together and turn him loose, and he was an athlete to begin with, so he had nowhere else to go but up. So uh, yeah, you could see that coming. As they say, Ray Ray Charles could see that. <laughs> that's a great comparison because if he could see it, then everybody could definitely see it. So you that's, better uh, that's pretty. Yeah, exactly. So now, when you went out with the injury, is that when you came back and they repackaged you and put you with the Godwins? Was it the layover between you being out and then you coming back? Uh, well, they was giving me like a, uh, I said, grow a beard. You know, they wanted me to have a beard with the Godwins and all that, so they left me uh, time off, and w- which helped me uh, as far as my injuries concerned. But then when they put me with the Godwins, I didn't have to take any bumps. So I loved that even better. <laughs> I, I love being the manager. <laughs> it was a great gig. <laughs> <laughs> but you did cost them the tag team championship, so I don't know how happy they would be in, in retrospect. But Uncle Cletus joined the Godwin clan after they had turned heel and they went from being, you know, fun loving hillbilly characters to being vicious and and really, I mean, I think that's what everybody kinda thought was uh was a great pairing with you and with them because they were vicious. But at yeah. the end, I mean I think you ended up having to take a couple doomsday devices there. But what did you think about the Godwins as heels and you guys kinda getting out there and beating? Really they were the marquee heel tag team for that last stretch yeah, and, of ninety seven. And we won the world belts. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, it was great. I love th- those two guys. Are uh, They're good people. They're uh, very talented. And uh, it was good. And I, I honestly thought we were going to make a, uh, a good run with it. And then come in and they um, uh, said they was going to uh, – changed their the way they dressed and right then as soon as they said that i said uh-oh somebody's killing this and i don't think it was all vince's idea i think that uh there was people talking hard on it and because i heard them say well nobody actually wears bib overhauls anymore stupidest thing you ever heard anybody say i mean you come to the south everybody wears bib overhauls so I, I I knew something was up as soon as they like uh, southern like southern rockers or something like that and they start you know I, 
I knew it wasn't long for me. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I can uh, see the writing on the wall. I ain't stupid. I have, I've been around the best and been fired by the best, so I I knew what was uh, where it was headed. Yeah, they were uh, they were Southern Justice. They went from being in the overalls and really being, like I said, a vicious vicious tag team to then being yeah bodyguards, which kind of was a little bit out of left field, but I would think at the time, and I'll just speculate, it's not you saying it, it's me saying it, but, you know, would a, would a, a writer who was there at the time who may have been from the New York area, a guy who clashed with Jim Cornette a lot, uh, be one of those guys that didn't believe in the Southern characters and would be somebody who definitely, you know, would put the kibosh on something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple. I call I call it like it is. He's an idiot. He 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 didn't like that. He uh, he wanted to go his way. You know, I, I'm smarter than everybody else. So you know, and he's just he's a moron. <laughs> and I think we all know who we're talking about. So. Yeah, bro. If anybody hasn't caught on, bro, then we know. Uh, I think you could you could sniff you could sniff who it is, but. You know, and him and Cornette, obviously, with their their clashing over the years. You know, Cornette being in a creative role at that point. I mean, I'm sure it helped in some capacity, but he was basically booted off the creative team. But do you think Cornette was just he was also done by the time you were on the way out too with the creative side? That like they were obviously going a different direction, and Cornette's visions were you know they were going to be undermined by uh, all the other guys that they were having writing with Vince. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I could see that. Uh, because Jim wasn't getting as much input as he was used to uh, putting in. And I, I, I seen there was going to be a clash there, so I knew it was just a matter of time. For all of so us. Then when the, <laughs> yeah. So when you were done with the WWF and you look back at that time, I mean, it was a good, you know, two and a half years that you were there, so it's not like it was a, uh, you know, everybody thinks T.L. Hopper, and they forget that you came back as Uncle Cletus, but, you know, a good couple of years spent up there, you know, do you look back at that as, you know, that was the goal that I had to make it, you know, in the WWF or New York territory at that point, and you look back at it, you know, pretty pretty decently because of the fact you had a pretty, you know, I would say substantial run for that point. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it it was all right. I I had a good time, and uh, like I said, you couldn't complain uh, uh, about the money that that was being paid. I mean, you know, I was one of the lowest men on the totem pole, and, uh, you you know, you look at guys that couldn't even lace their boots, and they get these contracts and everything, and, you know, it's like, you know, I cannot work this guy. But, I mean, you know, there again, you run into politics and then – that's the way it is. Wrestling is a cutthroat business. That's for sure. <laughs> to say but the I least, love it. Uh, very, <laughs> very true. It. And as I start to wind it down a bit here, you know, I got to ask, because I was just very curious, you know, can I want to get your opinion on this. Do you watch current wrestling today? Are you into the current wrestling scene at all? Uh, no, not really. No, I, I, I don't let my... Uh, grandson watch it uh, it's just that it's just not my cup it, it's changed so much uh, they go out okay who's the heel and who's the baby face you don't know 
if you just turn it on and you don't know anything about wrestling, you just turn it on and you look and say, okay, which one's a good guy and which one's a bad guy? You can't tell because they're both talking evil and they're both kicking and punching. And it's like there's no storylines basically anymore. And uh, some of the guys that I know that are still around, if they're on, I'll stop and watch it. But basically, I just, you know, I, I, I don't watch it anymore. You know, Gunsmoke or something's on TV. <laughs> Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, I know some guys that uh, they watch it all the time. Every time it's on, they watch it to see what's going on. And, you know, I might watch it every now. Usually I, I'll, uh, I might check it out after a pay-per-view. You know, they'll show uh, clips of what happened on the pay-per-view. you see, you know, see what happened, see who goofed and messed up and who didn't, what was good, what wasn't. Kind of analyze it, and then okay, I've had enough. Now, obviously, today's wrestling has definitely changed a lot. Like you said, you can't really tell the heels and the faces, and it's all kind of a shaded gray. But when you were wrestling, did you prefer playing the heel? Is that what you know the dirty white boy was most comfortable with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I did my best work uh, as a heel. Uh, they. Uh, Later on, they did turn me uh, babyface, but uh, I love being a heel. Uh, I just think totally in my head, uh, I was more comfortable. Uh, I knew what I was doing as a heel. I knew what to do uh, to piss people off. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I've had guns and everything else pulled on me. So, uh, you know, leave, leaving the matches and people out with guns, ball bats, all that. I left, uh, I believe it was Fire on the Mountain. Uh, I had death threats. Uh, when I burnt the Confederate flag, Tracy Smothers' flag, uh, they didn't take it too too kindly after that. So when I left that arena, as soon as the match was over with, I went straight in the dressing room, picked my bag up and straight out the back, got in the car and left and didn't stop until I hit Tennessee. So, uh, yeah, I loved doing it. <laughs> I did. It, hmm. it was a uh, – the booze was my cheers. And, you know, and I just – I got a rush every time I uh, uh, come out in the Coliseum, and it was just one big – it's like, yeah, I already got you, and I ain't made it to the ring yet. <laughs> yeah, that's that when awesome. I did my best. That is awesome, and that's when you know you have them, that they really, you know, they want to kill you. But, you know, I hate to say this, I don't want to get too political or anything, but if you were burning the flag, the Confederate flag today, I'm sure a lot of, you know, snowflakes and a lot of certain uh, certain people would definitely probably love you for burning the Confederate flag, don't you think, nowadays? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I look at it this way. You can't change history. There's no way that you can go back and change history. You just learn from it. So these people that are coming up and they're protesting, and they're actually getting violent too. Against now, you know, I'm not uh, a white supremacist or nothing like that. I think everybody should get along with one another. 
believe what you want to believe. You know, it's like uh, gay rights, uh, uh, people getting married, same-sex getting married. Oh, they had a big up to do. Like, okay, hey, fine. If you want to marry, if you're a man, you want to marry a man, fine. Just, you know, that's your business. It's not mine. But uh, they're talking about, you know, burning the flags and all this, removing these statues. Uh, it's history. So what are we going to do? Are we going to cut out all the history? Are we going to take down all the uh, statues and everything all over the world? I mean, okay, what are you going to teach the uh, kids nowadays? I mean, it don't make no sense to me. You know, <laughs> it seems to me like it's a waste of time for people that they can be doing so much more than want to come out. Well, I want my voice to be heard. You know, big deal. Just shut up and stay at your house and go on with your life. <laughs> I don't know. This world's crazy. As long as yeah, you leave me alone, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe if they read up on some history, they would know uh, Robert E. Lee was a 30-year war veteran. I think maybe they would have uh, learned something in, in yeah. history class that they would have paid and attention. The statue that uh, they're wanting to take down of him on the horse, and he's got his hat in his hand. That's when he was surrendering. Yes. So, yep. You, you know, <laughs> one more. Here's a statue of a guy surrendering. Uh, you know, so yeah, yeah, it don't make no sense. It's just everybody wants. To, everybody's got an opinion. And they all want to want to say it at the same time, and I don't know. Like I said, this people's crazy anymore. Now, kind of getting back to your career, I know we were talking about that great moment with uh, Tracy Smothers, but do you have some other favorite matches in your career? I know you had some wars with uh, Mr. Olympia, Jerry Stubbs, too, uh, back in the day. Obviously, you had some feuds with Jeff Jarrett, uh, you know, as well. Anybody else kind of stick out as some favorite matches for you? Uh, well, Tom Pritchard, I mean, you know, uh, by far he was some of the best matches I ever had was with uh, Tom. He's... Uh, the reason our matches got over so good is uh, we actually went out and beat one another up. We we made it believable. And uh, we had the angle of the year, you know, which was the hanging. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I go back every now and then, I'll, I'll find a tape or something, and then I'll look at it. And I've I seen one, uh, it's been several months back of this. Of, uh, he came, I was, matter of fact, I was working Bullet Bob. And uh, Pritchard came out and hit me in the back with a two before. And man, you did. <laughs> you talking about hitting somebody with a two before? <laughs> I thought. I thought. Did I steal your car or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he liked beat me to death, but uh, you know, he, he was. Uh, we just gelled together good. I mean, we knew what one another was going to do before we even did it or. Anything. You know, it's just one of those things. Two guys jailed and was willing to take to take it that far. And uh, you know, and J- uh, Jerry Stubbs, the P head Jerry Stubbs, Mister Olympia, <laughs> yeah, uh, great guy, great guy, and good worker, good hard worker. I worked with him in uh, Louisiana. Uh, he was uh, tagged up with uh, Junkyard Dog. And uh, me and Lenny worked uh, against them, and 
then I worked, you know, in singles against him and everything. And uh, Jerry was smooth. He, he really was. I mean, good guy. Uh, he had a beautiful family. Uh, it's just, you know, I've been really blessed uh, in my wrestling career uh, with some of the people that I, I've got to know and that I can call my friends. And uh, actually just, uh, I love them. They're, they're like my family. And nowadays in time, uh, I don't believe there's that many guys that would actually call themselves family in the wrestling business. It's kind of sad. Definitely. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention just one thing about the the T.L. Hopper days. It was kind of the uh, Caddyshack parody, I guess you could call it, from SummerSlam 96. It was during the pre-show. You know, you had all the uh, beautiful babes doing the uh, bikini contest, and then you kind of come along and you find the floater in the pool. Is that something that you were like, all right, this is kind of like over the line where it's kind of, okay, this is a little corny? Or were you just well, like, actually, ah, I'm just going to go with it and think it's funny? Actually, I came up with it. Oh. <laughs> it, it was my idea. I asked, uh, uh, we, it was uh, Michael Hayes, uh, Vince, myself, Lawler, and sitting there talking about it and everything and I said uh, hey I've got an idea and I looked Vince straight in the eye I said if it's alright with you I said when I do the you know uh, the old Caddyshack routine I said you remember when uh, Bill Murray was cleaning the pool looked down found the floater picked it up hmm took a bite of it Vince said great do it and uh, that's when Lawler was in the pool and I went and got it and yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I was just didn't have nothing else to do, so have fun with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about all you could do at that point in time. <laughs> with, but that that at that era of the WWF, it was untelling what they were going to come up with and what, what was going to take place. Hey, that's a. A pretty funny thing to do, kind of a Caddyshack parody, especially since you came up with it. Was he kind of receptive to more ideas, or was that kind of the only one you really pitched to him as far as that? Well, uh, he was hard to get a hold of, and a lot of times when he had that look on his face and he was walking, everybody knew to leave him alone. Don't talk to him, don't try to pitch him nothing. Uh, and some of the agents and the writers and everything, if they seen you trying to talk to him, they would uh, try to block you off. Because they, they, they didn't want anybody coming up with anything but them because they were real smart. So, you know, that's about <laughs> where that went to. Was it that same guy we were talking about before who maybe uh, somebody to do that? <laughs> oh, that idiot? Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine him, uh, you know, doing something like that. He doesn't have the reputation for it. But as we kind of let's get, we'll get serious here again for a minute here, and we'll talk about again the convention. It's coming up. It's October 21st. It's Legends of the Ring. It's in Monroe, New Jersey. It is one of the most desired and uh, featured. Uh, conventions of the year. There's tons of guys, literally all walks of life. Every promotion you could think of, there's somebody there from it. And Nick from the Captain's Corner put together one eclectic crew, the Captain's Crew, as I've been calling it, with our guest today, 
Tony Anthony, the dirty white boy, and Dr. Tom Pritchard, and Eric Watts, the son of Bill Watts, who we talked about earlier, and Eric Embry, as well as Paul Roma and Jim Powers, the Young Stallions, and it's all going down at Legends of the Ring on the 21st of October. And you can head to Captain Captain's Corners. This is tough to say all the time. Captain's Corners Facebook page, as well as his free web store dot org dash Captain's Corner website, where you can get all the pre order information. So Tony, as we start to wrap it up here. I guess let's give you the uh, the floor here for the final pitch. What do the fans have to look forward to uh, when they come to meet you at Legends of the Ring on the 21st of October? Well, it's not uh, what they got to look forward to. It's what I've got to look forward to is uh, being able to meet all these fans and uh, get back in touch with them and uh, uh, see some of my old friends. And uh, I'm just really, really looking forward to being there and uh I'll shake hands, kiss babies, talk wrestling, anything you want to do that's legal, we'll do it. (laughs) You know, I'm there to have a good time, and I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. And before we let you go, we would not let you off the hook without this one. The last question we asked everybody is when you look back at your career and you look back at everything you did, and we talk about all the great territories and the tag team partners and the bosses and the opponents, but what do you think the dirty white boy left in the professional wrestling business, and what would your legacy be when the book is closed? Uh, hopefully that I was uh, a hard worker that uh, wanted to perform and give my all to, uh, to the wrestling fans and was a good guy. This No, this was great. I'll tell you, it filled in a lot of holes. We've talked to everybody. We've talked to Cornette a couple of times. We've talked to... All the basically, I feel like every guy you mentioned, except for we're going to be coming for the bullet soon. We have not had the bullet, but we've talked to so many people that you mentioned. It's been great to get you on, and we appreciate all the time, and we look forward to seeing you on the 21st of October. I can't wait to get there, guys. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.